everyone, my name is Reagan. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, with your host, Sarah Carnes. She's my mom. She's on the radio and TV and loves the Cleveland Browns. But one of her favorite things is connecting with you. She wants to help you live a healthy, happy life. I don't know how she does it. She even got me to love carrots and eat broccoli. Thanks for listening. All right, who is ready to dive in today? Unlock some mysteries of the Messiah that are hidden in plain sight. Ah, Rabbi Jason Sobel is our guest today. He has been on the podcast previously. I am a huge fan of his. Um, I was first introduced to him from Kathy Lee Gifford, who I'm also a huge fan of. He co-wrote The Rock, The Road, The Rabbi with Kathy Lee. is very close with her spiritual advisor. He is also one of the advisors on the the hit TV show, The Chosen, which I also love. But he has a new book called Mysteries of the Messiah. And it's amazing. And we're going to be talking about that today. Basically, it's all about how most people don't understand how the Bible fits together, even people of faith. Too many Christians accept half an inheritance that they are content to embrace merely the New Testament. Sometimes we're afraid to embrace the Old Testament. And on the flip side, Jews often experience this by embracing only the Old Testament. But God has an intricate plan for both, and he's on a mission to help explain that, explain these mysteries that are hidden in plain sight. You will love him. I have learned so much from him. If you haven't read The Rock, The Road, The Rabbi with him and Kathy Lee Gifford, I would highly suggest that. And it's an easy read. Get at the library if you have to. It's it's amazing. But his new book that just came out, Mysteries of the Messiah, real, really helps you learn the Old and New Testament connections, which we'll be talking about some of those today, and really <laughs> helps create this fiery yearning for Yeshua, uh, the Messiah, and gain a passion for the Torah. I, I've learned so much by concentrating and really looking at the first books of the Bible and just uh, how these mysteries and unlocking these stories give us eye-opening moments and new ways to reflect on the life of uh, the Messiah who came to die for us and live again. It is just beautiful. I think you're going to love the book. We're going to get into that. Rabbi Jason Sobel is the founder of Fusion Global. It's a ministry seeking to bring people into the full inheritance, what I just told you about, connecting the old and the new. And he has such an authentic voice. He was raised in a Jewish home and qualified by years of diligent academic work. And his voice is um, uh, just amazing the way he can explain things and you can find out more about him at rabbisobel.com um i have signed up for all his new letters newsletters through his ministry fusion global and i get his torah readings every week they're amazing and again the book is mysteries of the messiah you can get it anywhere books are sold i did this interview with len previously so you'll hear my co-host on here talking as well if you'd rather watch the video version or watch that one in addition to this you can find that on the len and sarah morning show facebook page where you can see and share with your friends um, as well so I hope you love this conversation. Here is Rabbi Jason Sobel. 
Hey, shalom, shalom. I'm excited to be back with you all. You guys are always so amazing. So thank you for having me. Uh, we're so excited. We're just sitting here. We're like, if you could see my book right now, I'm an underliner. And like, I'm going to have half of the book underlined because I'm like, oh, I need to talk to Len about this. Oh, I need to ask you about this. I have learned so much from you and your teachings about connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. And there's so many things that are just hidden in plain sight, as you would say. So I, I love the concept of this book. I've been excited for you to release it, um, Mysteries of the Messiah. So let's just start off in the beginning here. Why did you feel inspired to write this book? Yeah, I mean, part of the inspiration behind it is that I feel like so many people, even people that have read the Bible for many years, they only know half the story. They don't really understand. Like a lot of times when people read the Old Testament, they're like, it just seems like a bunch of disconnected stories or laws or how do, what is, why do I need this? I mean, there's even some pastors out there I've heard say, why do we need the Old Testament? We have the New Testament, you know, and so it's kind of like, listen, it's the foundation. It's important to know how the stories come together. Uh, we want people to have a road to Emmaus experience where Jesus, after his death, two of his disciples were discouraged walking home. He comes to them in secret, begins showing how everything in the, the, the law, the writings, and the prophets point to him. Their eyes are open, and they said that our hearts not burn within us as he shared these things. And that's part of our passion. So people see the connections, get transformed, get excited about the Bible because it's not boring and see it in high definition. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, I think people are going to be blown away by some of the things they discover in the book. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was so interested in learning about how really the story of Jesus and even the virgin birth of Jesus was foretold right at the very beginning in the book of Genesis about Eve and the serpent. Would you just take a couple of seconds and talk about that? Because I think people are really going to be blown away that that's right there. That's one of the mysteries very early in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, one of the incredible things is that it says the first messianic prophecies in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, it's in the, it's in God pronouncing judgment on the serpent before the temptation. It says, I'll put enmity between your seed and her seed. In, he will bruise you on the head and you will bruise him on the heel. So it's talking about the seed of the woman. And the interesting thing is that biblically, women don't have seed, right? It's the seed of Abraham. It's the seed of David. So the fact that it's called Zerah, the seed of the woman, is alluding to something that's deeper. It's alluding to a mystery that is going to be revealed over time. And part of that mystery is ultimately going to be revealed in Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you'll call his name Emmanuel. And so we see this ties from the beginning chapters of Genesis with the seed of the woman to the prophecy in Isaiah to a few chapters later in Isaiah be, where it talks about the name of the Messiah, right? You know, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Father of Eternity, and the government shall rest upon his shoulders and of its increase there shall be no end. The interesting thing in the Hebrew, the word increase has a Hebrew, the way that you say it in Hebrew, it has the letter mem in it. And the interesting thing is that there's two letter mems. There's a closed letter mem, which is at the end, only at the end of the word. And there's an open letter mem that's in any other place in 
when it's found in a word, the letter M or Mem. And the interesting thing is that it breaks grammatical rules of Hebrew to place a close Mem in the middle of the verse of the increase of his government. And why? Because it's trying to communicate that the Messiah is not going to have a natural birth. He's an, an open Mem represents an open womb. A closed Mem represents a closed womb. So obviously a virgin is a woman who is not capable of having a child, right? So it's, again, alluding to this mystery that's in the scriptures. Wow, it's so, so fascinating. One of the other biggest things that I've, I've learned from you, not only this book, I've heard you previously speak on numbers. So if I say this right, the, um, the Hebrew and Greek letters all have a number equivalent. So you talk about the connection with numbers a lot. Can you kind of tell us about that and why they're so integral into us understanding the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to give a framework to understand that both the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, the language of Hebrew and Greek are alphanumeric. So in Hebrew, there are no Roman numerals in the Bible. So the way that you write numbers is actually with the Hebrew letters. So if I said, hey, turn to your Bible in Hebrew, turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, I'd say open to Bereshit, Perak Aleph, open to chapter Aleph, because Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, has a numerical value of one. So if you look actually in a Hebrew Bible, it uses the letters to denote chapters and verses. Uh, There are no numbers in a Hebrew Bible. It's the letters and numbers that form the actual uh, way that you do chapter and verses. And that's true throughout scripture. So why is that important? Well, for a number of reasons. I think one there's a, there's a more general reason, which is, look, a lot of people are questioning the scriptures today. There's a lot of haters. There's a lot of skeptics out there. And the first place they attack is Genesis chapter one and the creation account. And one of the things that they say is, well, listen, there's no way Genesis chapter one could be real. God spoke the world into existence. Not possible. We know quantum physics. We live in a mathematical universe. It has to be myth. The ancients didn't understand it. They didn't have the scientific knowledge and the worldview that we have today. So obviously this is just ridiculous, but it's absolutely the opposite because if you understand that Hebrew is alphanumeric and letters and numbers are interchangeable, when God creates the world, he creates heaven and earth. Heaven represents the spiritual dimensions and reality of the world in which we live in. God creates that by his word. The scripture says he holds all things together by his word, right? So God's word is the spiritual blueprint, the spiritual map of creation, okay? and But he also creates the earth, and because the letters and numbers are interchangeable, when God speaks the physical universe into existence, he also is creating the mathematical code by speaking as well. So there's no contradiction. It's just like a, the matrix when you see the letters and numbers going down the screen. It's the same way when God speaks, he creates the code of creation, the spiritual code, and the physical code of creation. And actually, sin is breaking the code, and it introduces a virus into the system, right? So... Right. There's we can go down that rabbit hole or other ways, but just one specific 
that we talk about in the book, which is, I think, interesting, right? So I want to talk about the number 38, okay? So John chapter 5, I love taking people to Israel. I love taking them to Jerusalem. One of the first places we go when we walk the Via Della Rosa, the path of Jesus' suffering, is the Pool of Bethesda. And in John chapter 5, Jesus does a miracle of healing a man that had been crippled. And it says in the text that he had been uh, invalid 38 years. Well, God doesn't waste words. He doesn't waste details. If the Bible is specific enough to say he was not able to walk for 38 years, the question that we have to ask ourselves is, why does it say 38 years? And the thing that we have to understand is that if I was to say to you, how many years did is, was Israel in the wilderness? How many years were they in the wilderness? You'd say 40. 40, right? But the, So they were, in the, they were in the desert 40 years, but there's something more specific. Deuteronomy tells us that they wandered for 38. So two years was just natural. God was preparing them, building the tabernacle, getting the Ten Commandments. It was after two years of being in the wilderness that they sent spies in the land and disobeyed God by not willing to go in and take the land. And they actually wandered from that point, which was 38 years, because they lacked the faith to trust God to go in and take the land. So this man is paralyzed 38 years, is connected back to Israel wandering in the wilderness for 38 years. That's why Jesus says to him, do you want to be healed, be healed and made well? And that's why after he picks up the mat, it's on the Sabbath, the religious leaders get so upset, right? They get so upset and start accusing Jesus. And he's making a point. He's like, are you going to be like the generation that lacked faith and died in the wilderness and wandered for 38 years? Or are you going to be like this man who was, who was who was wandering who was couldn't walk for 38 years but i healed and made whole the question is up to you which are you going to choose to do be like your ancestors or be like this man who's countered me and his destiny was changed and the other interesting thing is that 38 is a numerical value of the hebrew word lebo which means his heart so 38 is a numerical value of his heart Because Jesus was testing when he asked this man, do you want to be made well? What was in his heart, right? And he was testing the religious leaders, what is in your hearts, right? Is your heart truly for the Lord or is your heart for just religion? And I think that's the question that all of us have to answer. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, that just builds your faith, just hearing how God put all that together. You use the word faith several times there in that whole conversation about the healing. Uh, would you talk about that? I know you touch on it in the book, and it might be a term that people have confusion about these days. What exactly is faith? Does faith mean I just believe something? What, going to the original languages, how would you define faith for us? Yeah, I mean, the Hebrew word, and we talk about it in Mysteries of the Messiah in the context of Abraham, and Abraham believed, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Uh, The Hebrew word for faith is emunah, and it comes, it's actually connected to the word amen, and it's, it's idea of certain or firm. So, what I say is that the foundation biblically, emunah is a, or faith is the belief that there is one God, 
He is the creator of all. He is the one who providentially controls all of history. When it comes into the New Testament, it's believing that Jesus you know, died for our sins, that he buried, that he was rose again. So it's believing the foundational spiritual truths of the faith. It's knowing something is true and knowing it's certain, believing it in our heart. But here's the interesting thing. There's faith, but there's another important word because there's another side of the coin of faith, which is trust. And trust in Hebrew is the word bitachon. Right. Actually, it says when the just shall live by faith, it actually uses the word trust in the Hebrew. Right. So the interesting thing about that is that you can have faith without trust, but you can't have trust without faith. Mm -hmm. So faith is knowing something is true and believing it is certain. But trust is acting on what we know to be real. And so just like there was 12 disciples in the boat. We know majority of them had faith, but only one had enough trust to say, Jesus, can I come out to you and walk with you on the water? I want to do what I see you doing. And that's where faith with trust gives us the courage to take risks for God. And that's the type of faith we need in this season, a faith that has complete trust and risk for him. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, connecting all that together. Now, there's a verse that's really important in connecting the Old and New Testament, Matthew 13, 52, that you talk about. Can you, can you go into that? Yeah, it says in Matthew 13, 52, it says, What can a scribe understands the kingdom of God be compared to? Like a householder that brings forth treasures new and old. And I think Jesus calls us to be scribes for the kingdom. You know, a scribe in the old, in the days of Jesus was someone who was, you know, deeply knowledgeable in God's word, had a deep level of spiritual literacy. And part of the reason why that is so important, why he wants his, uh, just, he wants his, his followers to be, you know, calls them scribes for the kingdom. And we'll get to the second part in a second is that, the great commission is go make disciples of all nations. And when oftentimes when people hear that, it's oftentimes taken a little bit out of context because people understood that as understand it as go preach the gospel and get people saved so that they go to heaven. But that's actually not what it says. It literally says, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Right? So this idea at the heart of, the good news, the heart of the Great Commission is teaching. And why is that important? Because you can't be a lover of God if you are not a learner, right? That's what it means to be. The word for in Greek and Hebrew for disciple is a learner. So as soon as you stop learning about someone, um, your relationship grows stale. And so lovers have to be learners. And what is it that we have to learn? Jesus makes it very clear, old and new. Right When you don't have the old and the new, you're settling for half an inheritance. And I think that's a big issue today among Christians, among believers, is that many people settle for the new, the New Testament, and they don't understand the old, the foundation, the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, the writings, the prophets. Without that foundation, you're getting half the story. You're seeing the Bible in standard definition the old and the new connect, that's the full inheritance. One of the reasons why I wrote Mysteries of the Messiah, we don't want people to settle 
for half. <laughs> no, it's so helpful. And you make it understandable, too. Uh, it's just wonderful. The book is wonderful the way it's written. Now, the book is called Mysteries of the Messiah. So I want to ask you this. I think people will enjoy this. What What would be... Okay, what would be the most fascinating mystery that you've had the chance to unlock in the book? If you could just, I'm just going to throw that at you. Well, you're asking a rabbi to give you one. That's that's a tall order. So maybe I'll give you two. Okay. But, uh, you know, don't pay, you know, we don't want you to pay a retail. We'll give you two for the price of one. How's that? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, one is, you know, one is we talk about a lot, which goes back to the very beginning, which is, you know, why did Jesus have to die on a cross, the symbol of Christianity? Why is that so significant? Well, you know, think about it for a moment. How did sin enter the world? The first man and the woman stole from a tree. So God put back on the tree for you and me to make uh, an atonement, to make a redemption for the sin of the first man and woman. Jesus' hands were pierced because our hands stole from the tree. His side was pierced because the woman who led him into temptation, Eve, was taken from the side. The, the feet, his feet pierced. Why the first messianic prophecy, as we talked about, seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Satan is the original OG, the original gangster, mocking the promises of God, thinking he's foiling it, foiling it by nailing his feet to the cross, but he's actually fulfilling God's promises. Crown of thorns on his head because the curse of creation is that the ground would produce thorns and thistles. He's taken the curse of creation on his head uh, to reverse it and to restore the blessing. You know, one of the big things we talk about in mysteries of the Messiah is how Jesus has to make right and redeem everything that every major person in the old Testament got, got wrong. Right. So where Adam and Eve fell and took from the tree, as we said, he had to be put on the cross but also he has to get right everything that Israel got wrong because he ha- he wants to redeem and fix where they fell. So, for example, Israel failed in the wilderness. We talked about they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, why is that significant? Because after Jesus' baptism, what does he do? He goes in the wilderness and he's tested for how many days? 40 days. So it corresponds to the 40 years in the wilderness where Israel failed the test in the desert. Jesus gets it right. And that's where even the test that he goes through are, are connected to everything. The three things that he's tested by all connects back to where Israel failed. Right. So where, where the first test is, you know, turn these stones into rocks. Right. Well, why? Because what did Israel do in the desert? They complained they, they about complained the what? About the manna. The they bread. complained about the bread from heaven. Yeah. So yeah. here's so just like they received bread from heaven in the desert, the bread that comes down out of heaven is revealed in the desert. And where he has a chance to grumble, where Israel grumbled, he doesn't grumble. He actually gets it right. Man does not live by bread alone. And so, and it, again, it's just so interesting because, you know, God, when he spoke that, you know, we're coming not far from Pentecost. Uh, it's the day people know Acts chapter two, Holy Spirit, but it's also the day the Ten Commandments were spoken at Mount Sinai. And where did God speak the Ten Commandments? It was in the desert. So just like, you know, the word was revealed to Israel in the desert, Jesus is the word 
made flesh, the word that became flesh and dwells among us, and he's revealed in the desert. And so, you know, all of us have to go through our desert seasons. And, you know, you know, what's amazing there too, is that the word for desert in Hebrew is the word midbar. And the word midbar actually comes from the word midaber, which means to speak. So the word for desert in Hebrew is from the same root as the speak, midbar, midaber. Why? Because the desert is the place that God speaks. God spoke to Israel in the desert. God spoke to Jesus in the desert. God brought Elijah into the desert. God brought Paul into the desert. And we can keep going down the, the people that God brought into the desert. David was brought into the desert. In the book of Revelation, Israel is brought into the desert in the end of days. Because the desert is a place of intimacy. The desert is a place where God wants to speak to us to remove the distractions. We talk about this the whole chapter on the desert and the significance of it in mysteries of the Messiah. And the interesting thing is that the, the word desert and speaking are connected, but the word devir, which is another name for the holy of holies, is from the word davar, which is, means desert or to speak. God spoke in the holy of holies between the ark. What's the point? God wants to turn our desert into a devir, into a holy of holies moment where he speaks to us and transforms us and gives us greater intimacy with him. So if you're in a desert season, I mean, many of us is through COVID have been in the desert. It's been like hard. Don't be discouraged. God will meet you in your desert and transform it for you. He's preparing you for something greater. Wow. That, that is just incredible. I just like in, in those moments that, I'll call them your mic drop moments because there's there's so many of them that have just really made me like I'm so jazzed, so jazzed to read the Bible like ever before looking at it in high def, as you say. How do you think readers of this book and just, you know, studying in a deeper connection in general, how can their lives be changed by just connecting the two? Yeah, I mean, I think simply revelation leads to transformation when you know we're, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind when we understand the connections between the two it creates a sense of wonder like wow those aha moments uh, it creates a passion for the word i think when we see the intricate connections and in god in the details it gives us a, a deeper faith and trust that God is also involved in every detail of my life as well, right? It's not just a matter of the details of the scriptures. God's in the details is that he's in the details of everything, of every part of your life. God sees it and knows it and is working it for good. And there's a greater plan, you know, so it just, it begins to change us, transform us more in love with Jesus, more in love with his word. I'll tell you a practical, a great testimony we recently got. Um, we recently heard a story from, uh, we got a, conf- a story that there was a f- guy who had walked away from the Lord five years, grew up in a believing family, and all of a sudden, you know, he's working in this restaurant, and this guy comes in, befriends him, and he brings in this book, 
And he says, I'm excited about this book, this, this guy. And he starts reading him mysteries of the Messiah. And this young guy who had walked away from the Lord is just he said, I've never heard anything like this before. This is just amazing uh, how it all connects back together. Went back to his parents and was like, there's this rabbi. I don't remember his name. He wrote this book about mysteries. It's like the Messiah. And could you find it for me? So his parents like researched it. They found the book. What's amazing is that their son is actually was bet was best friends growing up with one of the members of our team. They gave him the book. He he reads the book, so impacted by it. And on Easter Sunday, he said to his parents for the first time in five years, uh, "Can I go to church with you?" That's great. Wow. And God began to do a new work in his life. So God, it's just like incredible things that God's doing. We're just yeah. really blessed. Well, I think everyone who is watching this uh, conversation right now, I know you'll truly benefit from this book. And it will be life-changing for you in the coming year. So I encourage you to check it out. It's Mysteries of the Messiah, Unveiling Divine Connections from Genesis to Today. Before I let you go, I do have to ask you, because so many of our viewers and listeners are watching The Chosen, the series The Chosen. And we're in season two now. And I know that you've had the chance to play a, a, a consulting role uh, in The Chosen. Uh, I feel when I watch like it's the first century AD. So just uh, talk a little bit about uh, The Chosen and the role. Oh, yeah. it's 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 been a joy to be involved with The Chosen. I mean, I started with The Chosen as a spiritual advisor before one episode was even filmed. We took Dallas uh, and some of the key team to Israel. And, they, you know, they're like, it was great. They're like, before we write a season on Jesus, we want to go to Israel and see where it actually happened, which everyone should do that before they write something on Jesus, <laughs> see where it actually occurred. And, uh, yeah, so I've just been involved with helping to read the scripts, advising them along the way, biblical accuracy, the Jewish authenticity, first century background uh, of it. And uh, it's been a joy and also been able to do a lot of things to help promote the show. And one of those things, besides all the little videos that we've done with Dallas and with, with the chosen team is uh, we have a new TV series uh, called The Chosen Unveiled that airs on TBN, and it goes into each of the episodes of The Chosen, kind of taking people deeper, explaining the biblical, historical, Jewish context of it all. So, yeah, it's just been a joy to be uh, a part of it. And man, over 100 million people have viewed it through download, right? That's not including it airs on TBN, a number of other platforms that it's on now. So, I mean, it's the impact that it's making for the Lord is massive. Dallas has done an amazing job. You know, one of the really funny things is I've become uh, good friends with Jonathan who plays Jesus. And it was really funny because he, he comes and celebrates most of the Jewish holidays with me and my family. And so we're sitting there doing a Passover Seder and my kids are at the table and Jonathan's there. And one of my sons turns to me and says, dad, I got to tell you something. It's a little bit weird having Jesus sitting at the table and you're leading the Passover. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> 
That is so wonderful. Well, we can't thank you enough. Like I said, it really is like reading the Bible in high def. It is opened up and we've shared you and your ministry to so many people. I just encourage everyone. Like I said, it's gotten me so jazzed to read the Bible like never before. I'm actually doing Bible in the Year for a first time this year and doing old and new at the same time. But I, I think that's just what it does when you dig deeper, like you said, it just the relationship just grows. So thank you so much. I did want to ask, so for people who are interested, do you have, I know you do a lot on your Facebook page to connect with you with different sermons. Do you have um, things through your website, like a weekly message? How does that work? Yeah, for yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. If, if people go to fusionglobal.org, we put out a weekly guide to the scriptures. So every week there's a multi-page a uh, teaching that goes to your uh, inbox. We talk about the old and the new, how it kicks, connects together. We talk about numbers. So that's a free resource. We've got classes. We've got other books. We do a Friday night live on Facebook and YouTube for people to watch uh, where we teach. So there's lots of different opportunities to be able to uh, connect. Awesome. Keep on learning. Well, thank you. I always love being with you all. You're two of my favorite, two of the best out there. So thank you guys so much. It's a truly an honor. Oh my goodness. I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. Get the book. Like I said, Rock the Road. The Rabbi is the first book with him and Kathy Lee Gifford. That's what ignited this passion for me to really study the old and new together and find all these hidden mysteries through the studies. So definitely highly recommend that one as well. And there is a Bible study to that one. I have already already recommended that to community groups out there. So that's something that fits you guys. I highly recommend. It would be a really, really great one. And he is on a previous podcast as well. So if you missed that one, you can go back and hear a little bit more about that. Always great information. And if you love the podcast, I would love for you to subscribe and leave some great feedback. And we've got some other great guests coming up as well. And thank you so much for listening.